welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and Kermit Gosnell's place of business was full of Mollocks. Mollocks. Piles of trash. Ah, not to be confused with mollusks, which are no. shellfish. No, mollocks. Mm. C-U-K-S, not mollusks. Ah. A really good album by Ween, which is probably a band you've never heard of. They're really weird. But maybe you have heard of them. I don't know. You surprise me sometimes. Maybe I've heard of them from you. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have seen them more than any other band. My Uh friend Amanda and I go Mang Amanda. Mm -hmm. In fact, she's Mang from a Ween song. There's a song called Stallion Mang, Mm -hmm. or I Am the Stallion. But anyhow, um, yeah, so that was a sidetrack from Moloch to Mollusk to Ween to Mang. Yes. Hi, Mang, if you're listening. Hello. Courtney knows Meng too. We went uh, to Vegas together and there was two Amandas and that was sort of how we uh, differentiated them. Meng and Amanda. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we're here. It's Sunday. Um, Courtney, you said that it was a little crazy this today in Eugene for weather. and Oh my gosh. Up on the hill I live on, we had all of the weathers today. We've had bright blue and sunny. We've had cloudy. We have had rain and snow and rain mixed with snow and hail and all the things. Well, I was at the coast this weekend and it was really nice yesterday, but today it was doing a little bit of that. But there was like snow on the ground, not on the beach, but like alongside the roads, which I'm not used to. Yeah, they don't usually get a ton of snow at the coast. Yeah. Um, It was the Pacific Seafood and Wine Festival this weekend. And I think that snow really kind of screwed some stuff up. Oh, I bet. Um, So the health, or the health, sorry, I was just, that weird noise is my phone making noises because it's telling me something about my security cameras. Anyways, um, the hotel we stayed at, or I should say motel, because it has outdoor entrances instead of inside entrances. Um, So they had a ton of cancellations because of the snow. So I just imagine that it was like that up and down the coast. So I don't know why they do the Wine and Seafood Festival in February, because it's never good weather, or it's rarely good weather. Is this, like, prime harvesting time for, like, seafood? I like mean, it's it's and... months in the well, that have R in them, so, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. But, I mean, I've gone to the Wine and Seafood Festival, and it was mostly the wine festival with a couple seafood trucks, like, at least that I saw. There wasn't a whole ton of seafood. Huh. And maybe that's... The only reason is because crab bean season is now. Right. Um, but they do it like in a, a, they put up like this big tent. So it's, I mean, I don't know. They keep it warm and everything, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's fun though. You should go sometime if you like wine. Definitely tons of, yeah. So Wine's anyways. Right. I like seafood. I do too. I had crab this weekend. I saw your post. It looked delicious. It was good. It was really good. It was fresh. Yes. So, um, but yeah, now we're back to part two of Kermit Gosnell, the last part, which I'm sure everyone's happy about because this is, you know, a gross case and a sad case. Yes. Gross, not the murder part, but the state of the clinic. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, So I do have a question for you. Okay. And I'm, as I was telling you, a little bit brain dead today because I spent the night last night at the coast and I don't sleep well in hotel rooms. Um, so I had Chris help me with this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was having us, like, he, he kept, I was like, give me some questions. And he kept giving us questions that, like, we kind of have already done. Not exactly. Mm, right. Um, 
But so this one kind of, I was like, okay. So if you could take a time machine to any era, event, time period uh, ever, just not to like live there, but to like check it out, what would it be and why? Huh. And I can pause if you need a second. That's a really good question. And I've actually, I think about this a lot. I never come up with a good answer. Um, Then do the first thing that comes to your mind. Do some word association. Yeah. So the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is that, like, Art Deco era of, like, the 20s. Okay. I can see that. Because, you know, it's the, the beginning of, like jazz and a little bit of mm-hmm. the beginning of like women's liberation and prohibition there was prohibition the depression well pre world war one I. I know what's coming mm-hmm. up to all that right well i guess world war one yeah. happened already 14 15 mm-hmm. something like that right but i think just like i'd want to go and just like go to a couple parties and then like leave cool what about you um tutor time period yeah, I should have expected that. <laughs> this is my, my other passion. Um, one of my podcasts I follow is uh, Talking Tutors, and it's pretty interesting. But, you know, I've been to Anne Boleyn's house, and I would love to be in the tutor court and see all of his six wives and just see how it, like, social not need to talk to them, just kind of, like, see from, you know, a sociological perspective, what was happening and, and the shift of politics and religion and all of that. Hmm. And okay. it would also be interesting. I don't want to live in that period because of how, you know, gross it could be, but it would still be interesting to like actually see how things were done and the smells and the, um, you know, all of the things mm-hmm. would be neat to me because you can read about it, but then it's, you know, it's, that's just your imagination. Right, exactly. So That's true. That's yeah. true. Thank you, Chris, for that question. Yes, thank you. He did propose um, if we could be good at any sport, what would it be? And I was like, um, Courtney and I just really aren't sporty people. Gymnastics. Oh. It would be gymnastics. Okay, I take that back. <laughs> I don't know. Um, hockey? Something <laughs> aggressive. I would want yeah. something aggressive. So I guess we got two questions out of the way. There you go. Okay. You got two for one today. Yeah. Um, do you want to give a little uh, recap of last week? Yeah. So last week we started learning about Dr. Kermit Gosnell, um, who was born into a middle class um, black family in the Philadelphia area of um, Pennsylvania back in the, what, 40s? 1958. I want to say, no, somewhere right around there. I think he's right around, crap, no, I don't remember. Maybe it was 1949. Okay, yeah. Maybe it was the same year Billy Joel. That sounds right. Okay. Anyway, he was very intelligent. He ended up going to a very special high school, went to college, went to medical school, um, started a rotation in obstetrics mm-hmm. but didn't finish maybe we don't really know for sure no he did he didn't finish but he yeah he did start the residency right it yeah. right okay so he went on to open a um, community clinic in the west philadelphia area providing services to kind of the the poor and disenfranchised residents there particularly um, providing abortions mm-hmm. um, and other kind of like prenatal-ish care yeah. Um, 
And over the years, he was inspected a whole whopping two times in, what, like 30 years, something like that. Maybe three. Yeah, I mean, he would get, like, Mm drop-ins, but, like, then they would just sign the certificate for another year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so during that time, he, because of lack of oversight, he was able to break a whole bunch of laws Mm -hmm. around, I mean, just medical treatment in general, um, abortion care, having qualified professionals work for him, um, and... And having, um, so when he first was originally licensed for the clinic, he had no B above him, but they mm-hmm. left. Right. So even just like right there, it should have been done skis for the clinic. Yep. But they just let it go. Yep. Yeah. And then he was kind of gross as oh, a yeah. human and his clinic was definitely not up to health and safety codes. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, he decided to find another way to make some additional money and started handing out bogus prescriptions, mm-hmm. fueling the opioid epidemic. Yes. That is where we left off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when we left the last time, we were to the part where the police came and raided Kermit Gosnell's clinic, which was at the time called the Women's Medical Society. I don't think I ever said that. But... Um, And they were raiding that for the purpose of running a pill mill, like Courtney just said. When they arrived, Gosnell was on the phone with his wife, and the cops had to tell him to hang up. Like, he has, he had, like, gave zero shits, you know. He was acting all nonchalant, um, or what was described as a, quote, Hannibal Lecter-type mentality. Like, what's all this about? In fact, he asked if he could eat his dinner while they conducted the raid. As soon as they entered the clinic, they were overcome by the smell of cat shit, medical chemicals, and human pee. Uh, Quote, there was a cat running around the clinic, and I actually saw urine on the stairs going up to the second floor. There were pieces, or excuse me, there were places where you could see blood on the floor. There were piles of trash all over the place. The smell was very bad. Um, They saw cat hair everywhere and patients in and out of consciousness in the waiting area. The staff working didn't even know or keep track of what medications they were administering to the patients. Um, And they were actually medicating patients at the clinic while Gosnell wasn't present. And, you know, I'm sure the standing orders didn't say go ahead and give them anesthesia or whatever they were giving Probably them. not. Yeah. Um, so while the investigators were looking around the clinic, Gosnell was actually performing an abortion. Like, he didn't even stop what he was doing. There was a Department of Health officials on site with the police at this point. And despite what they saw, like all the feces on the floor, the fleas biting their ankles, the broken and disgusting medical equipment, expired medications, unlicensed staff, they still did not stop him from doing the abortion. Um, I, I don't have any words. Like, I don't get it. Uh, When they started looking at medical equipment, they found the suction machine that is used to remove fetal remains from the mother in terrible condition. It didn't work properly. Um, You couldn't tell how much you were actually sucking out. Also, it was used for vaginal and oral suction. And I seriously doubt it was cleaned between uses. Yeah, not based on what we have heard. They also ascertained that two of the eight patients in the clinic were needing, like, serious medical attention. So they had called the paramedics. But, you know, the paramedics could not get through the clinic with the gurney. It was the same situation that happened with one of the patients that had passed away. It took 45 minutes for the first responders to get her out of the clinic. And she ultimately died. And it could have been because of that. 
When the investigators went down to the basement, they were met with bags and bags of fetal remains that, like, reached the ceiling. The basement was also filled with old files, broken equipment, trash, anything else you can think of. Courtney, like, hoarding? Yes, absolutely. This was the hoarding of babies that mm. I referred to yeah. um, kind of in our last our last one. And, I mean, broken medical equipment, like, throw it away. Right. Yeah. And I think that, like, he made some excuse about, like, the contract with the hazardous materials removal guy had run out or something. And mm-hmm. that's why sure. he kept all of that. But I'm sure he it's not hard to make a phone call. Right. <laughs> when you have that many, that's been a long time. Right. When Gosnell finally decided to participate, he brought his dinner in and a bag of clams that he used to feed his illegal sea turtle collection. He had dirty, ripped surgical gloves on, probably the ones he just used for the patient he did the abortion on, and he ate his teriyaki salmon with those gloves on. The gloves had blood on them. Courtney, can you think of why he did not remove the gloves? Such a bizarre situation. A police raid is occurring. Your com- your clinic is a complete disaster. You finish a most likely illegal abortion and then eat dinner with ripped, bloody gloves in front of the cops and the Department of Health. So there's no good reason um, to explain any of that. But like I kind of briefly alluded to last week, um, I believe that Gosnell is straight up a narcissist. And I think that's what's kind of going on here as well. So one of the main features of narcissistic personality disorder is grandiosity or an overinflated sense of self-importance. Narcissists can have near delusional level beliefs that they are exceptionally talented, powerful, important, and deserving of adoration and respect. In severe cases, this can manifest as a sort of messiah or god complex even, where a person convinces themselves that they are as worthy and powerful as a god and are are therefore invincible and can do no wrong. Now, it takes a lot of mental manipulation and gymnastics to the facts um, to believe this in spite of clear evidence of wrongness. But, you know, if there's one thing that narcissists are very skilled at, it's mental manipulation. Um, And with Gosnell, I believe he did have narcissistic personality disorder to this extreme level um, and had essentially deluded himself into believing that there was nothing wrong with anything he was doing. Well, I guess while uh, he was eating, one of the cats walked into the office that they were in and he said, quote, see that cat? He's killed 200 mice in this clinic. Gross. Right. There probably shouldn't be (laughs) mice in your clinic. Pennsylvania allows abortion up to 23 weeks and six days of gestational age. Uh, There are some states that allowed them much later, but we're just focusing on Pennsylvania with this case. Gosnell told investigators that they were legal for up to 24 and a half weeks. So he was wrong, dead wrong. Um, So this was being all brought up because in the basement, they saw many fetuses that looked much older than 23 weeks and six days. Gosnell said that perhaps 10 10 to 20% of his abortions may be after the legal age. Um, You know, from what I've understood, sometimes it is tough to tell gestational age based on a sonogram, but um, we'll see that he definitely ignored that going forward, regardless of, you know, what he what he's saying. Um, so anyhow, but he's he was admitting right there that he was doing abortions at 24 and a half weeks. Whether or not he thought that was the law, you would think he would know what the law was. It was a crime. 
So he was kind of admitting right then that he was doing illegal abortions. Um, as the investigation continued, more disturbing things were discovered. In one of the rooms inside a metal cupboard, there was a shelf of five jars. Inside the jars were baby feet. So remember, this was a drug raid. You know, the people involved didn't have a warrant to remove these jars or the fetal remains in the basement. They, they did not know if it was normal to have such things in an abortion clinic. They were police officers or whomever they were. Um, maybe the DOH did, but they didn't. Eventually, when they were able to take the items from the clinic, Philly's chief medical examiner described what was removed. So they did eventually get a warrant. 47 baby remains in all. Quote, there were a great variety of the types of containers. Some of them were, in one case, a distilled water jug where the top had been cut off. Others were drink containers, like I think one was a cherry limeade container that was used. There were others that I recognized. It was a container that you would have either cat or dog food in because I had actually used that brand of cat food with my cat, so I knew what the container was by its distinctive shape. And in most of the cases, the tops had been cut off so that the opening was larger than they contained in them, usually some, oh, sorry, and they contained in them some amount of bloody liquid that was frozen fetal tissue. And then, as I said, some of them also contained other objects, such as gloves or gauze, or in some cases, some of the cervical dilators. So he was using these containers, juice containers, cat food containers, whatever, for fetal remains. Right, to put them in, to hold them. Mm-hmm. So it took a while, but eventually the state put up an emergency suspension in his license. Um, The days it took for them to get more warrants and the four days it took for the Department of Health to come back and do another inspection were all spent by Gosnell performing abortions in the clinic. But finally, regardless of all of that dragging their feet, um, I'm not necessarily talking about the warrant situation, but the Department of Health, um, he no longer was licensed to do this. Courtney? It's about damn time. Yes. That's all I have to say about it. Yep. Uh, well, I guess his home was pretty gross, too. So on April 2nd, two months after or so after the raid, they got a warrant to search Gosnell's home. They wore hazmat suits. They weren't taking any chances. And they were glad that they did. They definitely found evidence of hoarding. Both Godnell, Gosnell and his wife, Pearl, seemed to be guilty of this. The state of their home was right out of that show, hoarders. And they had money to buy lots of things. So they had lots of money. Um, but they would buy stuff and then it was unopened. You know, like, I guess maybe hoarders do that. Yeah, hoarders do that. Yeah, purchase mm-hmm. piling up all over the place. When they searched the 15-year-old daughter's room, they found $241,000 in cash in a trunk next to her bed along with a firearm. When they went down to the basement, they were confused. In the dim light, it looked like their hazmat suits were getting darker in color. When they realized what it was, and they could hear this weird noise, um, they raced out of the basement, and it was fleas covering their bodies and making those noise by jumping onto their hazmat suit. Gosnell said, quote, See, I'm not such a bad guy. I told you not to go down there. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Just like shuddering thinking about it. So gross. So ultimately, their investigation uh, went in a couple directions. They're trying to figure out, one, if the abortions done were later than the law allows, and two, were the baby's remains that they found aborted inside the mother or murdered after they were extracted alive from the mother. After further investigation, it turns out that Gosnell was manipulating ultrasound pictures to make the fetuses look younger than they were. Here's an excerpt from the grand jury report. 
Quote, instead of hiring proper ultrasound technicians, he, quote, trained the staff himself, showing them how to aim the ultrasound probe at an angle to make the fetus look uh, smaller. If one of his workers nonetheless recorded an ultrasound measurement that was too big, it would just be redone. Invariably, these second ultrasounds would come in lower. In fact, almost every time a second ultrasound was taken, the gestational age would be recorded at precisely 24 and a half weeks, slightly past the statutory cutoff. So he was manipulating ultrasounds, I guess, pulling it farther away than it should be to make things look smaller. Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing, Courtney, that Gosnell did intentionally break the law, most likely for profit, perhaps power as well. What do you think? I agree it's probably both of those motivations for him. Um, You know, on the one hand, his NPD let him basically justify anything he did. You know, he was this acclaimed doctor who was saving these women and babies and could do so any way he wanted um, in his own mind. Mm -hmm. And his invincibility complex continued to grow as long as he didn't get caught. And then there's just plain greed. You know, he felt like he deserved all the money he received, and he had a hoarding habit to support, after all. And he wasn't short of patience. Oh, no. I mean, they're—and he was having people being referred to him. I mean, anyways. It was also discovered that Kermit Gosnell would not do the late-term abortions in the typical fashion. I don't really want to dive into it, but if you want to Google how these things are done, just go ahead or read this book. Again, it's called Gosnell, The Untold Story of America's Most Prolific Serial Killer by Anne McElhenney and Philem McAleer. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, They kind of go into it a little bit deeper than I'm going to. Um, But... um, Many of the babies that he manipulated in age were too big to abort the normal way. He remedied this by medicating the mothers so that they would go through labor. So he's basically inducing labor. Here's another excerpt from the grand jury report. Quote, but the illegal abortion business also posed an additional dilemma. Babies that big are hard to get out. Gosnell's approach, whenever possible, was to first force full labor and delivery of premature infants on ill-informed women. The women would check in during the day, make payment, and take labor-inducing drugs. The doctor wouldn't appear until evening, often 8, 9, or 10 p.m., and only then deal with any of the women who were ready to deliver. Many of them gave birth before he even got there. By maximizing the pain and danger for his patients, he minimized the work and cost for himself and his staff. The policy, in in effect, was labor without labor. So, we now have many women whose labor was induced because the babies were so large that they actually birthed live infants. Babies that may have actually survived if they had been born in a hospital and given proper medical care. Some of these babies were estimated to be perhaps 38 weeks. That's only two weeks short of a normal pregnancy. Warning, the next section of the grand jury report is extremely upsetting. They spell out what Gosnell did with the babies after they were born alive. Here we go. Quote, Gosnell had a simple solution for the unwanted babies he delivered. He killed them. He didn't call it that. He called it ensuring fetal demise. The way he ensured fetal demise was by sticking scissors into the back of the baby's neck and cutting the spinal cord. He called that snipping. So let me just run down his process so it really sinks in. He would induce women into labor who were beyond the legal gestational limit for abortions. Some reports were that the fetus is nearly full term. Then the mother would deliver a living, moving, breathing baby. 
Then he or his staff would use scissors to cut their spinal port spinal cords and end their lives. Courtney? I mean it's it's just horrible. You know, there's there's no stronger way of expressing a god complex, you know, than literally making decisions about life and death. And clearly, you know, Gosnell always chose death. Mm-hmm. The horror continues, though, with this horrible man. What he did with the murdered babies was typically put them in pieces of garbage, meaning a gallon water jug or a plastic bin that held cat litter. It was determined by the grand jury that Gosnell did this hundreds of times. Hundreds of innocent, potentially viable babies were slaughtered after birth by scissors cutting into their necks and severing their spinal cords. Then they were callously tossed into a container and stored in the clinic, like all the other things, you know, hoarded. You know, another excerpt of the grand jury findings was, quote, Most of these acts cannot be prosecuted because Gosnell destroyed the files. Among the relatively few cases that could be specifically documented, one was baby boy A. His 17-year-old mother was almost 30 weeks pregnant, seven and a half months. When labor was induced, an employee estimated birth weight as approaching six pounds. He was breathing and moving when Dr. Gosnell severed his spine and put the body in a plastic shoebox for disposal. The doctor joked that this baby was so big he could, quote, walk me to the bus stop. Another baby, Boy B, whose body was found at the clinic frozen in a one-gallon spring water bottle, was at least 20 weeks of gestational age when he was killed. Baby C was moving and breathing for 20 minutes before an assistant came in and cut the spinal cord, just the way she had seen Gosnell do it so many times. Okay. He would perform most of his abortions during the week. On Sundays, however, he and only his wife, Pearl, were around to perform allegedly the most advanced pregnancy abortions. There were no documents of these procedures, as it's thought that he took them home and destroyed them, as they were just too damning to keep in the office. Perhaps there was no way to manipulate the ultrasound on these pregnancies. I'm not sure. I mean, some of this is speculation. Obviously, he's, you know, denies everything. Right. Well, you know, there's... I don't think there is a way to manipulate a full-term baby to (laughs) looking like it's only 24 weeks or less. Mm -hmm. 23 weeks and six days. Mm -hmm. Remember last week when I said Gosnell was primarily a cash office? Well, the grand jury estimated that he took in ten dollars to $15,000 a night for performing his abortions, not to mention all the money he made from his pill mill operation. He willingly eagerly perhaps, accepted money from desperate women to kill their children. Courtney, now that we know what we do, I mean, is anything different on what you're thinking diagnosis-wise? No, nothing different. You know, based on what we've read, I would first suggest that, you know, Gosnell has pretty severe narcissistic personality disorder. I mean, he meets so many of the criteria from the DSM-5, including things like grandiosity, He believes he's special. He requires excessive admiration. He has a sense of entitlement and believes he deserves special treatment. He exploits his other people in their interactions, lacks empathy, believes others are envious of him, and very clearly shows arrogant behaviors and attitude. You know, it's pretty pretty textbook case here, Mm -hmm. Um, and that pretty much sums up all of his personality. 
I'd also diagnose him with hoarding disorder, specifically hoarding disorder with excessive acquisition, which is buying new things Mm -hmm. rather than just holding on to old things, Um, and with absent or delusional insight, which means that he had zero insight into what the fact that what he was doing was a problem. Gotcha. Now, Gosnell didn't do all of this by himself. He wasn't a one-trick pony. Wait, that's not right. He wasn't a one-man show. Yeah, that works. (laughs) When it came around to pressing charges, others were also held accountable. So here's a few. Linda Williams was his employee who had the eighth grade education and a phlebotomy certificate. She was the employee typically in charge of giving IV medications to the patients. She was the one who gave uh, Karnamaya Mongar a lethal dose of medication not long before. She was charged with murder in the first degree. Adrian Morton was also charged with murder in the first degree for killing what was known as Baby D. Obviously, they're naming the phages, you know, ABCD. They didn't have names. Um, this baby was birthed in a toilet, and was that was what would happen if the doctor wasn't around to perform the delivery. They would induce the women. If it started to happen, they would just take them to the toilet. Um, and then the baby would fall into the bowl. So Adrian Morton claimed that the baby appeared to swim. Uh, she removed it and severed its spinal cord. Stephen Masoff was also charged Uh, with first-degree murder for admitting to snipping many babies' necks during his time at the clinic. He also helped the doctor doctor ultrasounds to make the babies seem younger than they actually were. Of course, Kermit Gosnell was charged with first-degree murder um, as the mastermind of this whole abomination. Seven counts, in fact, and also counts of infanticide. I believe those two were the smallest of the babies they recovered. There was two counts. Uh, It should have been far more, but he destroyed a lot of the evidence because, you know, it took so long to get the second warrant after the raid to even, like, you know, take that stuff from the clinic and his house. There were other employees who were charged with conspiracy to commit murder and and various other charges. So, Courtney, the book goes in-depth about these accomplices, you know, their lives. You know, most of them had tough lives and may have been manipulated by Gosnell. Stephen, however, was educated and he even went to medical school. And although he claims he did not enjoy the work, he still did it. Do you want to comment on any of that? So, Gosnell chose these people to work with him for a reason, right? He knew he would be able to manipulate or scare them into doing what he wanted. You know, he was a well-educated, established, and respected community doctor. You know, even a person with a medical degree like Stephen would probably have been hesitant to question somebody of this status. Not to mention that Gosnell, like most people with NPD, could become irate and lash out in anger if they're questioned um, or feel like their status is being threatened. Yeah, some of the victims' stories later on that would come out in court were... Um, if they decide if they, they changed their minds or if they were not wanting to do it and they were minors, um, he would like beat them like yeah. his, their, their legs and like slap them across mm-hmm, the face and, and basically berate them into getting the procedure. Right. So the trial began March 18th, 2013. I can't even imagine being on that jury, having to listen to everything and see everything. Uh, I think the grand jury actually went to the clinic, but by the time the actual trial started, the the basically the building fell into such disrepair that it wasn't safe, and I think it they, they couldn't go. They wanted to take them there to see how gross it was. Um, so, you know, you would think that this would have been a big case. Sounds like a big case to me. What do you think? 
Yeah, definitely. Come on, this is crazy stuff. This is possibly a man being convicted of killing multiple babies. Anyways, so the courthouse and everyone involved expected to be big. In fact, they got the extra large room for all the cameras they expected to show. Um, But very few actually turned up. And those who did were from small local organizations. You know, as Courtney and I expressed in the last episode, we weren't aware of this case, um, of this trial, of this horrific nature of the crimes. I guess it just didn't make good press. I don't know. What do you think, Courtney? I do think it's really odd that there's so little media coverage about this case. You know, it happened just like 10 years ago, like 2013. Mm. Um the internet could have easily taken this case and gone viral with it. Uh, you know, I feel like if it was happening right now, like there's no way this wouldn't be a national issue. Well, especially with the climate mm-hmm. right now. Right. You know, but for some reason it, it just didn't. And yeah. I don't know why. Eight of the 10 staff who were charged with crimes, inc- including Pearl Gosnell, pled guilty. Gosnell, of course, pled- pleaded innocent. Apparently, to this day, he still claims that he did nothing wrong. The jury, however, found him guilty. Not on all counts, but he did did get convicted of three counts of murder. One count of involuntary manslaughter for Monger's death, the woman that was over-medicated, infanticide, and around 200 other counts, including violation of state abortion laws and racketeering. The murder convictions could have led to the death penalty, but he made a deal to keep that from happening by agreeing to waive future appeal rights. Ultimately, he was sentenced to three life terms. He also got 30 years for his pill mill activities, you know, lest those be forgotten. Without that side business, this abortion clinic may still be up and running. Uh, One good thing that did come out of all of this was that in 2011, because of the grand jury report in this case, the state of Pennsylvania passed into law Senate Bill 732 that basically says that abortion clinics need to have the same safety and health regulations as ambulatory surgery centers. So I hope this leads to, you know, the Department of Health taking them seriously and not ignoring blatant violations and staggering losses of life. All right, Courtney, I'm done with this case. Do you have any last words? Gosnell is a terrible person. Agreed. But he was allowed to be a terrible person for so long because other people just didn't do their jobs. Yeah. And it's, that sucks. It's, again, just reminiscent of Charles Cullen and the frustration and aggravation of whatever the bottom line was for these organizations that were responsible for doing something, not doing something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the, how do you... I know some of these people got fired. I I can't remember all the names. I didn't really get into all that. But there was a little bit of stuff shaken up on the political levels. Like the, you know. Right. The government side, Mm -hmm. they did like fire a lot of the the heads of these organizations. So, you know, there was some justice, I suppose. But I don't know. But this. So anyways, that is that's it for Kermit Gosnell. Um, Woohoo. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was fascinated by this case because, again, anything medical, like, kind of fascinates me um, and drives me crazy Mm -hmm. at the same time when it's, like, stuff that shouldn't have happened Mm -hmm. preventative-wise. And it's so blatantly happening. Mm -hmm. It's not like this was a secret. No. (laughs) And what just, like, one of the things that strikes me is, like, at the end of the book, they actually have an – the authors have an interview with Mm -hmm. Gosnell um, in prison – and 
he just wants to talk about how he's getting a chance to listen to his favorite operas and mm-hmm. like learning to paint and he was touching like trying to touch one of their legs yeah he was like, being a real creeper yeah he was um, i mean he was I, I i believe i remember reading that he was also a cheater a yes had many affairs mm-hmm, and, a philanderer yeah with some of the staff at the clinic in yeah fact. yep but even like in an interview with authors about his case he only could talk about what a smart cultured human he mm-hmm. was yeah and that prison wasn't so bad. Well, he was trying to make it be like, that's all, I'm fine. Yeah, for him, it wasn't so bad because he yeah. got to do all these great things. Mm-hmm. Well, um, our next case is, um, we're kind of going out of order just because, I don't know, just the books that we had. But anyhow, mm-hmm. I picked this Gosnell case and I'm picking doing the next one. And it's our first duo. I don't know how many duos are ours, so that might have just given it away. But I think there are a lot of duos out there. Oh, okay. More than we think. Okay. I'm excited to um, learn more about duos because it's definitely an interesting dynamic. It because is. Because they're very different people. Right. Um, but yet, they come together to do very horrible things. So that will be our next one. But until then, Courtney, what do we do if we walk into a medical clinic covered in cat shit and the chairs have blood stains on them? Go nuts. Go home. Call the health department and don't hang up until they agree to go check it out. Mm -hmm. And then go to therapy. That's right. All right, everyone. Stay safe and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.